Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil, and this is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between. However you're listening, whatever platform you're on, you know what to do. Five-star review, rate and subscribe, review, like on YouTube, the whole nine. So you guys know what to do, and I appreciate each and every one of you for that. Most importantly, today, my guest, Daniel Pardo, he's the founder of DPC Labs. Daniel, how you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Dude, pleasure is all mine. It's a great day to be alive. We're here to learn. We're here to have some fun. I get to talk about NFTs, the blockchain, Web 3.0, and how this kind of incorporates with athletes, what they're up to. I mean, we see so many athletes now with like their bored apes, right, as their profile pictures in places. So excited to ask you about that. But Daniel, the question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? I, for me, my, my love of sports came from probably when I was like four, uh, you know, had the little basketball hoop in my house, just sort of started there. Then it was the, you know, the mini golf set, uh, the, you know, the soccer balls, it was really everything. Uh, my parents sort of started from an early age to say, hey, let's put you into the youth sports and, and see what sport you like. I played everything from, you know, flag football, t-ball um, to soccer, basketball, everything. Uh, and, and it was just sort of then immediately just my love for sports came. Um, it was attending basketball games my entire life, whether it be Duke games, hurricane games, let's go Duke. Uh, heat games, my, my dad, brother, sister, all Dukies, uh, let's go state though, Michigan state, go green. Um, and so my, my love for sports was just, you know, fr- from the start, uh, kind of built into who I am. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, in high school, I played, I played football. I worked for the basketball team. I worked for the entire high school athletic department. Um, I, I sort of put myself in the middle of sports uh, until I got to college. Uh, I learned, I learned, I did not want to become a manager of a college basketball team. I, I didn't want to be up, you know, at three in the morning, four in the morning, because someone's calling to get shots up at the gym. Just didn't want to want to do. Uh, so just continued the love for sports in terms of watching it, like probably all of us. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many nights are just kind of spent with, with my college buddies, just like every, every playoff game, you know, for basketball, football, just everything. Um, you can ask my wife if she's somewhere, she's somewhere here and she'll be like, what's up? Or, or is, you know, can we watch something tonight? And especially right now, I'm like, uh, the NBA playoffs, playoffs are on. Like Sorry, the NBA, I'm like, the, it, it's the best time of the year for basketball right now like the nba playoffs are on other than march madness um but like you know and there's a game on every night because it's the first round um, so my love started early um was you know i have a little brother we played in the just literally all the time you know in, in basketball in the front football in the middle of the house tackling each other into couches into walls i mean that's just kind of what we grew up doing with sports that's that's the way it was, man. My brother and myself as well. Um, my wife and myself as well. We have two TVs in my living room, and you can check it. Both are set to sports if sports are on, right? That's why we have we have the uh, you know the Fire Stick, the Xbox on one, so we can pull up whatever's on ESPN, be that basketball, hockey. Then we have the Mets game on the top TV, whatever it is. Um, that's the whole point, man. I want to watch everything because that's it's the only thing I care about. Don't tell my yeah. wife that. Uh, but yeah, I mean uh, New York Mets baseball. That's uh, that's my one. My one and only. They're always bad to me, but 
I always come crawling back. So I guess more importantly, right? Like there's so many people that have that story, right? In college, we set up one time, we had four TVs. That's when we went like oh just God. absolutely nuts. And it was incredible. And we did it on one of those sports equinoxes. So we had basketball, football, baseball, and hockey on every single yeah. TV. And, you know, we're like 20 years old. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And now at 30, I'm like, honestly, that is the coolest thing ever. Like I'm still hundred percent down with that. I guess I'm kind of curious though, when, you know, as, as you realize, maybe you didn't want to work in collegiate athletics which don't blame you for that one. When did you realize that, Hey, like I, I still want to be around it, right? Watching it is great. And anyone can watch sports. You and I can watch sports and I don't have to work in it. Um, but why did you decide to to break in and say, you know, what? actually I love this area so much. I want to spend my time, dedicate my time and make money doing this. Yeah. Uh, so I went, to, I, I went to law school. Uh, I, I graduated university of Miami law last May and, um, I always knew somewhere or another I wanted to find go you go Canes. You know, I I always knew I wanted to find sports somehow, whether it be um, through agency things like that. Um, but a lot of agents were just real with me early on that said, you know, do you want to, you know, be at the airport at two in the morning because they're coming calling you because they're coming back from their private plane and they need you to pick them up. And there were just certain aspects of an agent's lifestyle that I didn't want. Um, so I decided, hey, you know, I'll take a backseat. I'll go into construction litigation, real estate law and work for my dad and, and do that. And then Web3 came around. Um, Web3 crypto. When was that? When did, because I saw it start popping up on the internet, but like, when did it actually, like, what is Web3 and when did it come around? Let's answer those two questions. So Web3 has been around. I mean, the creation of Web3, they say has been the last really four years in terms of what's happening on the internet and the backside, okay. but block blockchain has been around for 14, you know, 15, we we're talking about Bitcoin, but you know, then you had Ethereum, which is one of the other cryptocurrencies that was created, which is then what adapted us to be able to have, you know, those so-called NFTs. It, they're built on different blockchains themselves, whether it be Ethereum, Solana, Flow, there's kind of multiple and you know now there's near and harmony you know every mm -hmm. single day we're finding a new protocol or coin coming up but for me it wasn't about you know what's happening in the coin coming up it was about what i'm seeing happening in the sports world and the first of was top shot and top shot's awesome it, it, what dapper has done is special i mean to to create what they've done is really awesome for the sports fan but I started speaking with a few athletes that friends of mine know, and we started just finding out what does it do for them as the athlete? And if they weren't the top tier NBA player, it didn't really do much for them. There's no fan engagement involved. And then there's no also digital asset for them to own other than if they went and bought their own, you know, their own highlight. And then that's a saturated market because the NBA is pumping out more and more and more. There's no control from the athlete to say, Hey, I want to sell, you know, 25, 50 exclusive access to a small community of mine. Um, and, and there was no platform to go do that. So what started to come up was you started to see Autograph, which is Tom Brady's company. You started to see Candy Digital, which was Gary Vee's company. And then now you see Des Bryant with Personal Corner and Recur. Um, and I guess you have Campus Legend as well, which is Tim Tebow's company. Um, but again, what we started seeing with a lot of those companies was brand plays was paying the universities and in recurs case paying the pac 12 for access to the highlights great awesome business model you know really unique but how does that provide anything in our mind for the everyday athlete the, the water polo player the golfer the end of the bench basketball player or even the starting point guard that 
has maybe 5,000 followers, not 50,000. No one was helping those athletes enter into Web3. There was no website. There was no platform, you know, in Web3 that was saying, hey, we'll help you give you that education and entrance um, into what an NFT is, why it's useful, why the IP behind their name is so important and why, you know, Web3 really provides that booster and bolster to their name to, to use um, that IP. And so for me, it was seeing all of that happening. And you said, you know, why did I want to get back into sports? That's why it was, I saw no one helping everyone. And, and I wanted to say, okay, how is there a way for us to help everyone to find a way um, to help all athletes of all sports of all ages, um, men and women. And so, you know, of all ages, uh, the unique thing there, and that's sort of where I think what I was talking to you earlier about, you know, how, how do you differentiate why NFTs? Let's stop there for a second. Yeah. I do want to stop there for a second. So I think it's really interesting the way that you're looking at the space though, right? Like, because there is a huge number of athletes now with NIL being an opportunity, especially in the college space that, that, that number jumps significantly, right? There was still the 26th man on the MLB bench or the 15th guy on the NBA bench that doesn't get in the game. But now you have all of these potential college athletes where they already have these huge social media followings. Like look at those girls, the, uh, what is it? The UCLA cheerleaders. Like they just have like the most viral stunts over and over again. They're more, more famous than like, again, the 15th man on an NBA bench, but they weren't allowed to use their name to make money. And now they are, which is awesome. And now they have other opportunities within, you know, web three and what you're saying. So let's, uh, uh, you got something, sorry. Even to that. And it's that every athlete has a micro community of fans, even if it's 25, 50 people, that could be their family. It could be their close friends from high school. That's all people to help them monetize. So for us, it was providing them a, a space in the web three world to say, Hey, you can do this. You know, we're, we'll give you the platform to help you assist you to sell, you know, your card. That's awesome. I think it's such a cool thing. So yeah, before we get to what you guys are doing, like sp- getting into the specifics, obviously we yeah, yeah, yeah. generalities with that. Um, explain to me why NFTs aren't bullshit, because I feel like, uh, and we said this before, before we, before we hopped on, there's two camps, there's people that understand it and can give you a good, like an explanation, which is what you are going to do. Um, and then there's, other people, not quite myself. I understand a little bit more than the next guy, uh, but like Top Shot, to me, why am I spending a million dollars on a LeBron James GIF? Like I just, maybe it's a personal thing. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't care about art. Maybe that's half of it. But like, why? Why aren't they bullshit? Explain it to us, dumbest possible terms. Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be completely honest. Um, I, I'm with you on the camp of I, I don't know why I would go spend a million dollars on a LeBron James highlight because the use case of what that value is long term, I don't know. Who's going to pay me for the rights to that highlight exactly. when they still have to go pay the NBA? They still have to, you know, they still there's nine, what, 19,000 uh, other people that also own that same highlight. I, I agree with you on that. I, I don't know there. Where I do think it's important and and not bullshit is the board ape side. It's the IP. You know where do we where do we see this going long term? Movies will be utilizing board ape yacht club characters, and in order for these movies to be able to utilize the characters, they will have to pay the person who owns the rights to that picture. So where I you know that where I see NFTs being important is the IP behind them, and where is that for important for sports? 
providing that IP to the athlete. It's not to the company. So working with an athlete, starting when they are freshmen and, you know, even eighth graders, sixth graders, what it could, they could be five years old, starting with kids, teaching them about the entrance and importance of Web3 and NFTs because of the IP behind it, owning their own IPs, instead of going and buying a photo of themselves that, you know, their parents normally do anyways, they can buy a digital player card of themselves. And what does that do? That has intrinsic value of their own. They own that IP. If their photo is posted anywhere, that that's IP that they own. If it's utilized on an Instagram page, that's IP that they own, which is beyond just the way it happens now where people can take your Instagram photo and, and boom, because of the way the IP and track, you know, traceability of the contracts works, um, someone owns that. So why is that important to a youth athlete? If someone buys a card for when they're five years old and then every year till through their 18, they own that card, them and them fam their family, however many they want to buy. If they become a star athlete, executive of a company long-term, they own those cards and have outright intrinsic value. If they want to own them as a souvenir just to hold on to, great. But if they also want to sell that because they have their son's state championship freshman year card and so, you know sophomore year you know number one player in the country fresh you know sophomore year mm -hmm. card, there's value to that IP and it's owning it early. It's not getting to college, having another company come and you know say, hey, we'll pay you ten thousand dollars for your name, image, and likeness to sell this for you. That's not what it's about. It's about teaching these kids at an early age why their IP, why their name, image, and likeness is so important and, and doing that through a digital player card. Yes, it's an NFT, but there's a reason our name is DPC because we want to, we don't want to scare everyone. Yes, it's an NFT, but we want people to feel welcome into the community of, of NFTs and through doing it through a, a digital player card of themselves, we think is a unique and special way uh, to, to do that. Yeah, I think that's. I wish I could. I could. I wish I could send you one. And you could sort of pull it up and, and see what it, what uh, it looks like. Do you? Yeah, shoot one over. I might be able to figure that out. It's not the craziest thing in the world. I've been on the internet for a few years now. Um, so I think one one thing that's really interesting about it is is you're you're 100 right. It's the IP aspect because like, yeah, how many fake accounts are there on Instagram? Right, like there's that whole aspect, like whole thing of it. So now if there is something that you can tangibly own right maybe you're not able to touch it but you own the ip it's on you know a, a ledger somewhere that says you daniel you own this this is yours there is there is some value there's absolute value to that and then as you said like what if this person does go right we see what rookie cards used to sell for or are still selling for like what is a eighth grade championship card gonna sell for it's just silly things like that and obviously that is a once in a once in a once in a lifetime opportunity right if you anyone does get there but it is still something that is tangible that people can buy and people can utilize and they can they can see how it works and something that can be done with it. And on the on the separate side of it, I mean, I remember growing up for me, my parents literally purchased physical cards of myself when I played like football, basketball. I have no idea where they are today. Yep. My brother still has this. I have no idea. And I just thought, well, you know, when we were coming up with the concept of let's create digital player cards to help athletes monetize. I said, why does it have to just be to monetize? Why can't we, you know, bring people into the space, adopt people into the, the space through this idea of owning their own card, similar to an athlete? I mean, if I knew that Tops could create me a card of myself, similar to what LeBron James has, I, there's a no-brainer I'd convince my parents to buy that. And so what we did here is we combined our idea of let's help the everyday athlete that, you know, can monetize and combine them with the everyday athlete that, you know, 
is just an amateur athlete for themselves and, you know, help them feel like a star. And so that was sort of why we combined and paired the both together. So I have a couple other questions about NFTs that I just need like cleared up because again, I'm not an expert and I don't ever plan on being an expert. And that's why I talk to incredible people like you, Daniel. So that's why you I are appreciate here. that. Um, minting. I see that word come up on the internet. What, what does that mean and how does it work? So what minting is, and there's sort of a kind of big misconception on this is everyone thinks, oh, if I buy an NFT, I minted the NFT. It's not the case. The minting is the first purchase of the NFT. So if you are the first purchaser of that NFT, you are considered to have minted the NFT. The second it you, that that first sale occurs, it's no longer being minted. It is now just being bought and sold on the secondary market. So the word minted is simply just the first sale of something. And, and that's where the contract is actually being pulled from, you know, that back dev developer network into the main network and creating it as an actual non-fungible token asset. So that first creation of it is what they call a mint, minting mint process. Okay. And does it then, I mean, obviously there's a secondary market from that point, but like, does minting kind of like hold like a little extra cachet in this space? Or is it just kind of a word I see on the internet a lot? It's a word you see on the internet. Some projects will decide to benefit their mint holders compared to a secondary sale holder. Uh, but I, you don't see that happening as often because then that, you know, why do you want to deter someone from buying into the project if they didn't, exactly. if they weren't the first one to buy? So yeah. it, right. it's just, it's just a nomenclature name that's sort of thrown around. My dad, my dad asked me about literally the exact same thing. He's like, so, so I, I bought this, I minted it. I'm like, no, 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 you bought it. He goes, but then why? Everyone told me I minted it. I'm like, no, it's, it's not, the, it's just so not. If yeah. you buy it from the source, you are minting it. If you yes. are buying it on the secondary market, you're just buying it. Exactly. Okay. Where are these markets? How do I go to the source and where, where can I then resell these potential products? Yeah. So right now there's. There's like four or five main marketplaces. There's OpenSea, Magic E. OpenSea is, I guess now it's Solana and Ethereum. It used to only be Ethereum NFTs. Now both of the blockchains are on there. Um, there's Magic Eden, which is only Solana. There's LooksRare, which is a unique marketplace that offers uh, sort of rewards back if you sell on their marketplace. And then there's anything dapper, which is Guy Marketplace or you know NFL All Day specifically or the Top Shot website specifically. Dapper usually creates uh, specific for the website. For ours, and that's where we get unique as well, is we're developing our entirely own marketplace and secondary marketplace. So when you either want to go create your own card, that's on our website. If you want to purchase one of our athletes' cards, that's done there as well as that secondary sale. The reason for that is to give the athlete and the fan a centralized location to go rather than saying, hey, come to DPC-NFT to buy the NFT. Oh, and then go connect your wallet to OpenSea to go to our account page to then sell it. We wanted it to be as seamless and easy as possible. And, and another reason why is, I don't know if you saw what happened with De'Aaron Fox's project. It was extremely unfortunate. Um, it, his developers essentially left him after he sold 10,000 NFTs to a community uh, or around 8,000 of the 10,000. And then essentially he had to, give up on the project because he had no developers to continue the management of the NFTs of the, you know, the smart contracts behind it and the continued development. He ended up getting sued 
for the project, completely separate. You know, he had to drop any promises he couldn't give. Why is that important to what we're doing? Because when you went on OpenSea to search his project, if you typed in De'Aaron Fox, you couldn't find the project. If you typed in Sacramento Kings, couldn't find the project. And to me, that was so, that was honestly disturbing because if you're going to welcome someone into the space to say, hey, sell a project for yourself, how do you not give them the ability to be searched simply off their name? And so what we've done is in our secondary marketplace that'll be launching end of May, hopefully my team doesn't kill me on that timeline, um, end of May, you'll be able to search an athlete's project based off of their name, their school, their either their high school, either their college or their professional team, the sport they play or the position they play. And that, why is that important? Because if athletes are going to feel welcomed into the space, like, hey, I'm not going to fail in my project, they need to feel like there's a marketplace that is assisting them in doing that. And there was no one out there doing that. That's awesome. That, that definitely makes sense. Kind of create that ecosystem completely for you guys that way it's you can help in all shapes and forms you guys can assist wherever needed to be assisted yeah it sounds like deer and fox that's not a great thing i think he signed like 170 million dollar contract so like i'm not trying to take anything away from the guy but i feel bad for somebody else i feel worse for somebody else let's say that well you do you feel bad because you know essentially someone's buying into a project like that saying oh you know scholarships are guaranteed all of this and then mm -hmm because he doesn't have the time or help for it, he has to drop it. And so that's where for us, it's, we're not telling fans, Hey, you're buying into a, you know, an infinite engage, infinitive engagement uh, with, with the athlete or something like that. It's potential at three pieces of memorabilia and maybe a FaceTime. It's, you know, it's nothing that's sort of like these other communities you're seeing be built out there with crazy promises. So I want to get to the promises aspect of it because I understand, right? Like with Top Shot, like the thing that didn't make any sense to me was just buying this GIF. And like, I'm being a little facetious about it. I, it's always fun to poke the bear. But like, what are these? Because now again, I follow Gary V. Who doesn't at this point, right? Um, he talks about the contract aspect of it. I hear other interviews. I talk to other people. And it's really, yeah, the picture's cool. The video's cool. Owning the IP in, in certain situations is incredible. But it's really the contract behind it. It's what else you get. What are some of these other, you said smart contract. What are some of these promises? Explain that aspect of it to me again, as dumb as possible, just so that people can understand like, hey, it's not just this picture on your phone. There's there's actually legitimacy and other things behind it as well. Yeah, so essentially what the smart contract does is it gives a unique signature as to who owns that specific JPEG picture, you know, video, whatever it be. Um, what that contract does, everyone talks about all these utilities, perks, things that are attached to the contract. There's nothing actually attached to the contract. What the contract does is it gives us the verification services to say we have the ability to 100% verify this is the person that owns and says they own the NFT. So what it does is we can then per se attach to the contract opportunities perks utilities so for one of our athletes sam singer he's a former california bears starting point guard played in israel for two years he's now a real estate agent here in miami and trains kids the utility that perk he's going to offer will be training sessions so parents awesome. are incentivized to purchase his nft because not only will the kids that he trains with get a you know a cool digital asset of him they also get a training session with him so when they say something attaches to the contract, it's whatever the company, the project, the athlete 
decides. And so for us, we work with the athlete to give them the sort of opportunity to say, hey, this is what I want to do. And then we'll tell them, okay, if this is what you want to do. This is where we think you can price it. This is how many we think we should sell. And, and let's go from there. We, we never tell an athlete what they should give to their fans. We want the athlete to be incentivized to feel involved with, you know, with the project because it's essentially, it's theirs. It's not, we're just a company assisting them in selling. It's like them selling a t-shirt brand for themselves. We're just assisting in that. That's awesome. I think that, again, the utilities, the perks that come with it are, are the interesting part to me. I think that's the cool part. So now just for edification's sake, so Sam sells this NFT to somebody, it becomes minted. And then he has a training session with person X and then person X sells it to person Y. Does person Y get a training set? Like how does, how does then like the extension of this contract move down the line? So that's the, that's that unique feature of the contract. And I guess that's sort of what you find. Someone actually posted a really unique tweet that said, I bought a board eight for 195 ETH when the floor was 142 ETH. Because when I looked up the back end contract, someone didn't collect 67 ETH worth of ape, the coin. So because someone didn't collect the coin that was built into the backend smart contract, this person knew they, they, if they bought an NFT that was more expensive, they'd get that extra perk attached to the contract. So that's what we say, you know, that's what we talked about. What, how do you attach something to these smart contracts? It's exactly that way. The same way, you know, Board Ape released the coin and released it to all of their smart contracts. Some people didn't, for some reason, some people didn't collect their coin. And if you went and bought an NFT, you could see which ones didn't collect the coins or not. So an NFT that was valued at, you know, for sale at 195 ETH is really worth more than purchasing one on the floor for 142 uh, with no extra to no nothing to the contract. So mm -hmm. how does that relay here is if someone buys Sam's, you know, utility and utilizes the, that training session, it's taken up for him, but Sam can say, Hey, I want to, Hey, you know, Hey community. I went to Cal. I played with Jalen Brown. Jalen's in town to Miami. We're going to do a dinner tonight. You know, let's someone who owns my card will get to come with us. He can then add in his own opportunities, mm -hmm. utilities, because it's his, it's his opportunity to say, these are my communities. This is what I want to take advantage of. But DPC as a company will do certain gamifications, whether it be, putting the athletes into a team themselves of, you know, five athletes and saying, if you collect all these athletes, you'll get a piece of memorabilia from us, or you'll get to come to, you know, our massive DPC weekend, which will be a weekend sort of retreat with our big athletes and, a, a you know, a gala dinner and, and golf tournament and things like that. Um, so yeah. Really so, yeah. There's ways to gamify it. Just kind of have fun with it and assist these athletes. Cause at the end of the day, if a golfer says, Hey, I want to sell 25 cards. You got to expect they'll probably sell 10. And so how can we assist them in selling that extra 15? Yeah, and it's through things like saying, hey, let's put you into a, you know, a team with you and two star players from university. And if someone collects all three of your cards, they'll get an, you know, another piece of memorabilia from us as a company. That's really cool. Yeah, that's just that just makes it way more fun than like owning trading cards, right? Like that's, there's just so much extra stuff that can go with it. Um, that just makes it just, I don't know, that, that sounds like a blast, right? Like you find three, you know, the three golfers. Oh, and then you'll be the one that finishes out the foursome and you guys can go play some round and wherever their hometown is, right? Like it's just 
fun things like that that really kind of can get the juices up a little bit to allow just more opportunity for the athletes, but as well as that community, because that's really what we're here to do, right? You're not yet working with the LeBron Jameses of the world, unless there's some back information that I'm unaware of, but it's, it's allowing these a little bit. Yeah. It'll be released in the next like month or two, but there's, there's some big time high school athletes uh let me know we'll get you on the show again we'll just get you on the show again how does that sound daniel but that works it's uh it's just there's just this opportunity again to to create that engagement so i'm kind of curious from your standpoint right so you saw this come around you're you're working as a lawyer or a clerk or whatever your dad's industrial whatever business i apologize that i'm already over it but what like how do you create a company like this? Like, how do you say like, Oh, this would be fun to do. Like, where do you even start? How do you <laughs> even like, Hey, I can, I get the concept. I want to do this, but like, how do you actually put those wheels in motion to get that plane rolling? Yeah. Um, it was, we're talking, I mean, it's, I'd say still early cause we're talking about a year and a half ago. So it still was early in the sense of like, companies having the developers, you know, locked down and who was needed to build. And I frankly got really lucky. I happened to get connected with a developer who built like the first Bitcoin wallet in Venezuela before it got shut down and happened to be a lead developer for, you know, another protocol. I got very lucky in finding someone that knew how to build um, with the necessary code in the space. And then I just slowly formed the team around uh, we're about to announce a massive partnership in the next week or two. Uh, that'll sort of be the final piece to the so team. Two massive partnerships potentially in the next like two months. Yeah. Well, what one will be for card sales. The other will be as like a, a, a full partner with us and what we're doing here. And it's, a, it, it'll be, good. yeah, it, it'll be, we, so it was all, it was all about the right pieces. It was knowing, okay, I, I have the mind, the business mind behind what I want to do here. But how do I bring the right pieces around me? I brought a good friend of mine from college in um, that really helped with sort of the beginning stages of getting this off the ground. And then I brought two friends uh, from here in Miami where, where I'm located, grew up with them, that one was just very involved in just the startup world for years. And then the other one is very involved in the athlete sports world. Both played, uh, both former collegiate athletes. So when I was forming the team, it was just how do I bring the right guys together? Um, to be trusted in the space, you know, I can bring the product, but how do I truly be trusted in the athlete world? And so now it's forming the right team, the right advisors, the right partners. Um, so that when we go to market with this to the athletes, we're not just a random brand out there. We're, we're trusted because it, especially in web three, uh, it's really easy to get what they call rug pulled. You know, people can screw you over really easily in the athlete world. And in the web three world, it's, it's, just as bad if not worse and so it was how do i create a company that is envisioned around the athlete for the athlete may not be by an athlete directly that played in college but you know by all means i played my entire life to me i I was still an athlete at some point and so finding a way to help them and so it was really getting sort of lucky that i I found someone to build what i needed like I, i I got lucky, frankly, that I'm having someone build a marketplace and secondary marketplace, the same thing that you're seeing these massive companies have. Um, A little bit of luck and then a little bit of just, you know, perseverance pushing. Um, 
You have I'll, your ups and down battles. Yeah. I'll, I'll you push have back on that. I, so we don't actually believe in luck on this show. I believe in uh, doing a lot of hard work and putting yourself in the right place at the right time. Cause luck is right. Everyone considers luck like this. Like, Oh, you can get lucky. It's like, well, I can get high on my couch and I'm probably not going to get as lucky as if I was out interviewing or networking yeah. or talking to people. So I, uh, I personally don't subscribe to luck and uh, I'm sure you did a significant amount of work to get lucky in your opinion, using air quotes for anyone listening. But I think it's just really important that, you know, the, the opportunities, all the stars aligned, right. But they aligned for a reason. You clearly had this vision. You brought in people that understood the vision and could see how it could benefit the people of their lives or the people that they've known in their lives and saying, Hey, like, yeah, I can a hundred percent bring these you know if, if we get the correct pieces it's like you know some some voltron shit right like it's bringing all these pieces together to be able to destroy whatever is in front of you and it sounds like again like you're able to do that you're able to find those right pieces and i think it's interesting right you say it's early in the in the timeline it's a year and a half ago where you started i feel like i didn't even start hearing the term web three i don't know probably you know it really popped in the last six months you tell me you're a little deeper into it but me just kind of being a layman on the internet didn't hear the first time of web three until some sometime in 2021 and it really was probably just gary v right so it's one of those things where you've been working in in the back end you've been working in the lab thank you thank there you, you go um, stand-up routines coming don't worry um but you've been working legitimately in the lab for a year and a half to put this thing together so it, it might it might seem like it just popped out of nowhere, but in reality, you guys have been doing everything necessary in the back end for a year and a half to get this ready, to have your own marketplace, secondary marketplace to put these things together. I think it's absolutely incredible, man. Kudos and congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that. And hearing you say it is, is true. Like I remember it was like three weeks ago, we had our, our first live beta version go up and it was just one of those real realizations that was like, holy shit. We, this you know, we cool. have, a, we, we have an MVP, like we have a product, we have something in the space that not, every, you know, just not everyone can say they do. Like you can say and idealize building a project, building a concept, building something in web three. And right now, frankly, there are a lot of people raising money saying they're building something, but to build it before even raising that money, like we took a very small family and friends rounds that let very close friends and family have the opportunity at an investment like this early on, like extremely early because we wanted them to have that you know opportunity and now we're, we're raising our, our round and, and the reason for that was building a company the right way it wasn't about saying we have this idea in web3 and it can get us all of this money at this crazy valuation because that's what we're seeing out there it was building the infrastructure and then going to market and saying this is the product we have this is why we have it and this is why we believe in it not because it's an idea that's going to get us somewhere but because it's you know proven product to that you know to the youth market and, and what we talk about with nfts how, how cool would it be i don't know about you but I, I went at my high school there were a few guys that ended up playing college one of them was trey morning alonzo morning son i had my best friend sam then we had ashley johnson who was a two-time olympic gold medalist yeah, water polo, water polo 100%. yeah so went to high school with ashley and and imagine if while they were in high school they said, hey, I, you know, this website's creating player cards of me. If you want to own one for the same, you know, price that I have one of myself, you can go buy one of them. You can't sell it, nothing. But imagine if in high school you knew there were those athletes that were going to be special and you could purchase their card the same, you know, just because you're their close friend. You get their, you know, promo code to purchase their card because you're in their close friend group. And now you have an asset of your, you know, your close friend who granted could be something or it's just something cool to own. And so for us, it's not only opening it up to say, hey, yeah, create your own card, 
but it's saying own your friends cards like uh, whoever you know it but the only way to do that is verification it's saying hey you know if they're a big time athlete and people are wanting to purchase their card there's a promo code that the athlete is specific to have to their name that they you know only someone can create the card if it's for that if it's specifically under that athlete's code why you want to protect the athlete's brand and name to not just flood the market with something because people want it but it's about that early adoption into web three through a collectible through a souvenir not as sort of what's the floor price which is you know that bottom price what what's you know how do i buy something at a hundred dollars and have it be worth a hundred thousand the next day because that's what board ape and moonbirds and all these projects have done, have done. And, and that's it, it bothers me because it it gives the bad name on nfts like if someone doesn't if someone buys an nft and it doesn't happen for them that way they don't want to buy an nft ever again they're you know why did i just do this it's the worst investment i've ever made but the importance of web3 and nfts is not the investment side of it it's the ip side and it's understanding that it could be yeah we're doing digital player cards but imagine owning your you know your kid's first moment walking and being able to have that memorialized in a video forever not just on your phone and your you know phone that you're scrolling through but on the internet verified that you know that that's that moment it's just little things that can be turned into mo you know memorialized moments that nfts can provide that value for and then also it's i don't have to worry about my icloud getting lost anytime or losing my password or anything you know it's there's a blockchain scan that always will have that forever so there's a, a souvenir collectible side that like for me also it was you know growing up I, I didn't make the basketball team my eighth grade year and i just while creating this idea i thought to myself how unique would it be if i owned a card from my sixth grade year when i hit a game-winning shot with that you know video attached to it for my self-esteem that boost to say yeah you may not have made it this year but this is who you are this was you know something you did and so it was being able to provide something that also could give a self-esteem boost to kids and not, you know, to feel like, yeah, you're, you're a star. You might not, who, you know, who cares if that coach didn't tell you you were a star or if that person on the other team says you, you suck, you know, you have your own unique, you know, asset that makes you feel like a star. Yeah. I think, I think it's just so fun, right? Like it's just, it's just so enjoyable. And, you know, we're here about 40 minutes in, I, I say pretty, I pretty much tell every guest. So the, the listeners out there know this, but like, my favorite thing is to listen to somebody who's extremely passionate about something. I don't care what they're talking about. I'm just, I've chose the lane of sports and obviously there's a lot of different places. So I appreciate your passion when it comes through and, and understanding that, Hey, like I hope this makes you millions of dollars, dude. Like I really do. Cause it's such a cool idea, but the fact that you went about it the right way, you're looking out for people that, that need to be not need to, but should be looked out for in some way, shape or form and, and giving these opportunities to people that, you know, two years ago, right? Pre NIL had literally nothing. And now there's so many opportunities and this is just one lane that they can potentially go down that allows them to take advantage of themselves, obviously in the name and your likeness, but also potentially make a couple bucks along the way. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm hundred percent no, for it. So appreciate what they, you're doing. They man. should be able to, I mean, 100%. finally. So, yeah. Exactly. And I, and I appreciate that. No, man. Hey, keep doing your thing. So, um, uh, probably a couple more questions, but one, uh, how, how do I make an NFT? Like how, how do you actually like make it? <laughs> like, yeah, I I've never really gotten that aspect of it. like someone sends you a video, right. And you, they say NFT this, what happens? Like, how does that process work? Yeah. So there's a few different sort of websites that can assist you in that. I'd say the easiest one is OpenSea. You can go on OpenSea, you can upload the photo video you know whatever it might be and you can essentially there's 
sort of two options. You can either pay to create a certain amount and they'll sort of take a portion of the sales to save you those upfront gas fees, or you can pay all that upfront cost and just mint it right there. So you can, it's sort of your option. You can either pay the upfront fees to mint it, or you can leave it up to someone to buy your NFT and pay those upfront costs. But essentially OpenSea has the easiest platform. Now that's something that we've done and created is that if you wanted to create an NFT, um, let's say it's a sports centric project and you can work with us to host that on our marketplace. And we have the ability to essentially give you an easy, just send the art or whatever it is to us. And we publish it on our back end. So um, that'll be up more, you know, more of Q4 for us, but eventually someone will be able to do that with us too. If it's in the sports realm or field where they won't have to end for us, it's on Solana. I didn't mention that. That's a big thing for us is, you know, Ethereum, you can have something called gas fees, which is essentially like a transaction fee. And honestly, I've seen those get up to like literally three $3,000 before. Uh, I've seen someone spend $3,000 on an asset that costs $500 because they think the intrinsic value of it long-term is going to be something. And for us, that I couldn't fathom that. And especially if you're going to be working with underprivileged kids, you if a school system says, hey, we'll subsidize for someone to create a card how are you going to go tell the kid, okay, great. You know, they just subsidized for you to pay for it, but now you got to pay another $20, not to us, but to just a random gas fees to create it. Um, with Solana, there are no fees. It's, it's cents on the dollar. Um, so we can really help adopt and integrate a lot more people into the NFT space um, because of that. That's awesome. I went on a little tangent there. Sorry. No, you're good. I think that's important. I, I don't understand how any of this stuff works. So like it's, there's no zero cost and wallets wallets that's important let's do okay. it okay first thing about have, my wallet first thing you have to do is you got to download a wallet uh the nice thing is apple and android phones you can do it on your phone download either metamask or phantom if for us download phantom because that yeah. is the that is the wallet for solana and the nice thing is with both apps they've given if MetaMask, they have the ability to use Apple Pay or MoonPay, which is either your own debit card or credit card. And with Phantom Wallet, you can per use it. You know, you can purchase Solana with a credit card. So essentially, you download your wallet. It'll give you a private key. Write that private key down. Do not take a photo of it. Do not screenshot it. Do not text it. Write it down. Put that in a safe place because if anybody has that private key, it's 12 words, they can get into your wallet. That it, it, it bypasses your password. It's if you ever forget your password, that's how you recover your wallet. So that 12 key phrase is probably the most important thing to teach about security of creating the wallet. Put that away, write it down, save it, don't lose it. Um, once you have that wallet created, like I said, you can with a credit card, debit card purchased through MoonPay on Solana. I mean, on the Phantom wallet, you'll have the, the, the you know Solana right there in your wallet. What you do because, you know, with our marketplace, you go onto our website, dpc-nft.com. You'll be able to connect your wallet right there. And you can either purchase one of the athletes cards that are for sale right now in the marketplace, or you can go to create your own card and you can essentially plug in your information, upload a photo of yourself. And we will then on our back end download that photo and create, you know, the actual card uh, and then send it back. Um, so the, for that, it's, Point, so it's 0.55 sold. We have it up there, $75. Uh, that'll fluctuate. You can get lucky if sold drops to $80. You got a discount on your uh, DPC card for the day. If, if sold goes up, you know, it's a little more expensive. That's just kind of the unique space 
one soul is always going to be one soul. Uh, one ETH is always one ETH. It's sort of a unique thing in the space. Yes. But the dollars that they equal might be a little different. But uh, once they get into that space, then hey, then you're then you're working on that currency. So exactly. It's once you buy, it's really just buying your first Bitcoin, your first piece of Solana, your first, you know, piece of Ethereum. It's just, it's just per, even if it's $5, $10, it's just having something. And, you know, for us, our lowest card is of an athlete to buy is 40 cards. Your lowest card to purchase for yourself is 50 is $45. Why? Because we want it to be low cost. It's not about, you know, let's have it be $500 because this is a, we want to sell for the most money. It's how do you adopt people in? So there's different tiers of cards for the athletes we sell. The bottom tier is, is, you know, less money than top tier and, and sort of giving everyone the ability to enter in the space. I think I want to make a card of, my me and my podcast so we'll work on that later um let's I I actually be fun. Look, be fun. look look into i think his name's buster you've probably heard about him oh buster the, the he kid, sells kid but like but yeah yeah yeah. he sells an nf guy. yes he sells an nft for his podcast with like utilities and things That's and awesome. it's actually like 15 times in price recently Good for really him. Really unique. Yeah, really he unique. He has a little bit bigger audience than I do, but I'll get there well, one day. Listen, one, you'll get there. And two, it's just the unique aspect of, of how people in the podcast world are looking at NFTs or finding ways that to say, listen, it's not, you don't just have to be an athlete. You don't, you don't just have to be an artist. You don't just have to be a, you know, random bear that's being put on a JPEG. You can be someone with a podcast. You can be someone with a media company and just say, hey, I'm selling an NFT. Like there's certain athletes that are selling NFTs to be access to them now, like they're businessmen and they are being contacted daily by people in their inner circle. Owning one of their NFTs gets you an hour a week with him business service wise. It's just different ways. And then someone can go and sell that if they don't want to utilize that business hour anymore. It's ways for other people, for that athlete to be able to manage their time, um, monetize on their time, but also uh, have a, a sort of fun with it, you know? They could randomly say, hey, all 20 holders are going to play golf with me for the day and we're going to do this or, you know, whatever they want to do, it's sort of at, at their leisure to sort of decide and do. That's so much fun. I love this. I'm very excited. Thank you for explaining all this in very easy terms for me because, yeah, 100% going to figure out how to get my own podcast NFT. That's hilarious. Um, last question before we kind of get to like the socials and all that BS. Um, one thing, again, Really only follow Gary V at this point with with a lot of this stuff. Don't get too, too deep on it. But he always says 99% of these projects are all going to fail. 99% are all going to suck. 99% are going to absolutely do nothing. Why? And we kind of went over it in the last 45 minutes. But why would you say you guys are in that 1% that's actually going to succeed? So the, uh, a few reasons. One, we built actual infrastructure. So I, I built an actual secondary marketplace marketplace to host all of this, not just created and hosted somewhere else. I think that there's intrinsic value to the infrastructure we've built. Um, so I think that, that's one. Does that make it more difficult for people to find though? Like, do they have to download something different and go through something different or they're, they're used to OpenSea, so why not just continue to use that? Yeah, and, and now that OpenSea, the only difference is instead of going to OpenSea, you go to dpc-nft.com. There's no, you know, there's no difference. If you're buying a Solana NFT, you already have your phantom wallet and okay. now that OpenSea's integrated solana you know and most actually they just came out with numbers i think like 60 million people have downloaded a phantom wallet in the last like, like since the beginning of the year. it's some crazy number mm -hmm. um but the adoption and they went mobile so the adoption to create a wallet on your phone 
literally buy crypto right there on your phone and then go and purchase the NFT in their browser if you want to. You don't even have to go to your computer. You can go phantom browser, type in the website and do it all there on your phone, which I've done. It's kind of crazy. You know, that that's the craziest thing is where we've gone in the spaces. So one, the infrastructure, we built infrastructure too. I think that um, we're not a project, you know, we're a long-term uh, vision for the sports world. It's not sort of a quick one-off, you know, hey, we're selling a, a cool art piece and, you know, this is what we promise it's going to get you access to. We're, we're more selling access to yourself, you know, that self-esteem boost of yourself, that owning that asset of yourself. And so I, I think that you, when you are convincing parents and kids to want to own their own asset of themselves, I don't think you're competing with the, the likes of, you know, a community trying to grow a project that is, you know, 24 seven engaged. I, I think we're looking at a different just entrance and it's just a different project. It's sort of, mm -hmm. it's more of a collectible souvenir um, than sort of a, a project that you see in the space. I love it, man. Well, I'm rooting for you, dude. I think it's so cool. Just the opportunity, the, the, the big partnerships that are going to come, the even bigger partnerships, I'm sure that are down the line. I appreciate uh, that. Sounds like you guys are going to continue to crush it. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll work on the back end on getting me my own NFT and how the hell I do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. But I know we've said it a couple of times. Give us the socials. Give us the website. I'll put everything in the show notes for everybody who isn't watching live. They'll be in the uh, in the show notes for on YouTube as well as for the uh, the podcast feed. So give us all that stuff. But just in case, it'll be down there as well. Yeah. So my social is Twitter is Daniel Pardo twenty five. My Instagram is Daniel Pardo five two five. Our DPC Twitter is DPC underscore NFT. And then our DPC Instagram is DPC NFT. Uh, our website is www.dpc-nft.com. And that's where you'll be able to find everything in terms of creating your own card and or purchasing one of the athletes up there. If you are an athlete that wants to get in touch about having a card sold for you, my email is dpardo at dpc-nft.com. Feel, feel free to reach out if you are a high school coach, a middle school coach, AAU for any sport, whatever it might be. If you want to create cards for your team, reach out dpardo at dpc-nft.com. I love it, man. There might be a couple people I can introduce you to. This sounds like a lot of fun. So sincerely, Absolutely. Daniel. Everybody listening, time's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate each and every one of you giving me a little bit of that. But this is going to be great, man. Again, check the show notes for all that information. Sincerely appreciate it. Five-star review, like, and subscribe. You know how it works. Sincerely. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Michael, thanks for having me.